People in their sane minds swear they see you today. Are you looking for the love they took away? Everyone knows that you couldn't buy the pain. So you took your life in the pouring rain. You took your life in the pouring rain. Good day, my vamps and ghouls. Those tunes you just heard are courtesy of the lovely Bobby Mackey, and I, of course, am your host, Tessa Morrow. Thank you so much for stopping by and taking a listen to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. Now, before we jump into this episode, I have to ask if you listened to yesterday's episode, titled To Helen Back, Life in the Bothell House. Because if you didn't, Folks, I recommend taking a listen to that one before this one, as this is part two. Yes, this is a part two-er. In part one, we talk about the Bothell House and experiences and encounters that my friend had. Keith Linder is joining me again today, and we will talk about a couple more encounters. And then, yes, evidence. You will hear audio evidence, folks. some good old EVPs that were collected while investigating the home. And we will discuss other types of evidence as well, diving deep, deep into the paranormally active Bothell House. Keith Linder, my friend, welcome back to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. Are you ready to dive into part two? Uh, yeah, I'm get to the meat and potatoes of part two. Thanks for uh, having me back. Pleasure is all mine. Always great talking with you. Now, Keith, you know, this episode is mainly about evidence, if you will. But before we go down that road... There's just a couple other events that took place in your home that I want to touch on. Things got very physical after you fell down the stairs. Walk us through this terrifying experience. Yeah, what a lot of people don't know about this case and about me and Tina and about that house is for the entire year of 2013, we did not have activity. Everyone wants people to get the impression that we had four years of non-stop activity because we didn't. The activity subsided toward the end of 2012 and no activity, no physical movement, like I said before, for the entire year of 2012. Mm. So we thought we, for lack of a better word, won. We thought the worst was behind us. And now maybe we can sort of live in the house that we wanted to live in because all the activity has ceased and keep in mind it was theorized by some that these things typically die out on their own so we thought that was the case well january 2nd 2014 way to bring in a new year i was upstairs not too long got home from work and i was coming downstairs for a refill either water or something else and i remember when i got to the second landing of our staircase and as soon as I turned that corner and put my foot on that top step 
I was at the bottom of the floor. It was over before it began. The quick fall almost happened instantly. It was weird. I've never fallen down steps in my life, let alone in that house. But I did, and it was a bad fall. When I got to the bottom of the steps, I was laying on my back, looking up at the ceiling. Legs are in weird positions, so I'm thinking, you know, no way I'm going to stand up and not be injured in some way. And lo and behold, I was. Uh, Tina was in the kitchen cooking, and she heard the noise. Her first reaction, she thought I was playing. She thought I was playing a joke on her, but I told her I wasn't. I was in real pain, and then she helped me up, and then we went back up to my office and my knee, my right knee swole up like a beach ball within about 30 minutes to an hour mm. that's with on it and uh, long story short I had I had tore my patella tendon in my right knee and what that basically means is your kneecap becomes severed and uh, reverts back into your thigh muscle oh like my god re- ouch so very serious injury a very, very, very serious injury, uh, one of the worst knee injuries out there, and obviously it requires surgery to reattach. I went to the ER, they did the whole MRI, x-ray, and all that stuff, and I like, yeah, you, you severed it. And so I had the surgery a week or so later, and now I'm homebound because after any injury like that, you have to go, I think it was four weeks of bed rest of keeping your legs straight you know they, they mobilize it and i was restricted to the upstairs tina was working so she, she she's not in the home during the day it's just me and it's still painful after surgery is very painful and you're just told to move less as you can and uh, you're beginning physical therapy four weeks after your surgery so i was waiting for that but in the meantime very interesting things about in the house started happening again now i'm home 24 7 and I'm sleeping, I'm restricted to the bedroom, I have little movement, I'm in and out of sleep, taking naps between pain meds, watching TV from bed, and I'm hearing noises downstairs. And I don't mean, you know, regular house noises or the ice maker in your refrigerator. I'm hearing kitchen cabinets open and close. I'm hearing closet doors open and close. So much to the fact that I scream out, Tina, are you home? Is anybody home? You know, maybe she came home early. Maybe she came home. I didn't hear her. Maybe she came home while I was asleep. Yeah. Uh, and of course, no answer. You know, no answer. Also, during that same time frame, as I'm sleeping or laying against my headboard, I'm hearing taps on the other side of my headboard, like tap, 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 tap. A lot of scratches. Scratch, 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 scratch. A feeling of being watched feeling of somebody walking back and forth in the hallway right outside my bedroom door. So one day I was hearing this noise and it was so real that I finally grabbed my crutches and against the doctor's orders, I just had to go investigate. And by investigate, I walked out of the bedroom into the hallway and overlooked the banister again and called out to Tina and asked, was anybody home or anything? Of course, I got no answer. Tina's not home. At the end of the day, she would come home after work, and I would tell her, I'd like, hey, I'm hearing these noises. You know, the house is alive when it's just me upstairs. It's weird. It's the worst thing ever. And uh, she thought it was interesting. We both thought it was weird. We're both trying not to go there mentally of, uh-oh, what's that all about? But finally, and this is worse than the plant levitating, to get our attention the first time around, I told you last time in part one, uh, we were sleeping, I think it was a Sunday night, and we had this tall what they call it, like a wooden 
armoire credenza sits in the hallway hmm. and Tina keeps the bathroom linen in there but so it's, it's pretty heavy it took three of us to bring it upstairs I, I, out of all the things I moved in that house I hate moving that thing wow. and it's pretty heavy one night we're sleeping and we heard a loud crash boom like whoa so we dart out of bed me and Tina and we run towards the direction of the sound toward the hallway and it's leaning on the opposite side of the wall now it's on the other side of where it originally was and it's looking like the Eiffel Tower, huge gash in the wall. We knew then that they're they're back. We 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 knew then that the spirits are back. Tina bust out in tears because we knew it was about to go to a similar hell. And true enough, um, the notion of when the activity returns for a second time is generally worse than before. It was worse than before. Everything that's mm-hmm. known about this case happened. In 2014, a few weeks and a few months after that armoire got moved, I'm talking about the three Bibles catching fire. I'm talking about the wall writings, obviously. The spirits really pick up where they left off. They're not throwing small objects at you. They're throwing large objects, bringing utensils into the fold. It used to be just the ironing board. Now it's the iron. You know how heavy an iron is. Mm. You don't want that going projectile at you, trust me. Lamps any pottery, glass. I never realized how dangerous glass candles can be. You know, any, you know, you buy a candle, you like candles, you know, it's, it's wax inside glass, but those things are very dangerous when they go airborne. You never really look at, see them in that light until they do, and they did. All that, it's all that's back, and we're, we're trying to look for the numbers we thought we threw away on finding help. It's time to call the churches again. Trying to let our friends know again. It's time to let the commons know again. It's time to everybody, you know, because the activity, and I kid you not, was daily now. We're, we're now, at least in 2012, you had breathing space in between activity, you know? We're talking daily everything, everything. TV off and on, TV stereo blasting, lights off and on. Yeah. The loud bangs are back. The loud bangs are on the door. Doors are slamming in Tina's face before she walks out of her room. Doors are slamming when she's taking a shower. Same with me. It, it's it's like they're back. They bought their friends. And yeah, it, it, it was pure hell. And that must have been absolutely devastating for you guys. Because here you already went through hell and back. And now life is normal or somewhat normal, at least for a year. And it's like you get to breathe that sigh of ah, relief. And then all of a sudden it just comes tenfold. And that must have been so devastating for you guys. I just, I can't even imagine. And how dangerous is that, that this huge armor thing is like being thrown. And like you said, things that you would never see as a weapon are actually pretty dangerous as they're being thrown right at you guys. I know at one point, you had several people bear witness to something and I know it was during a birthday celebration for you, I believe what went down Keith on what was supposed to be a day of celebration. What happened that day? That birthday celebration. So now we're looking at what year was that? So that was December of 2014. This is way after ghost adventures. Yeah, this is my birthday celebration. All the wall writers and the fires are months behind us. 
and yeah, I have my best friends over. I think it was my 45th or something birthday. We were doing karaoke in the living room. My friend DJ brought a karaoke machine. It was the girls versus the guys. So we, we moved the furniture. We rearranged the furniture, me and Tina, to make space for everybody, to make it like a mini stage, if you will. This is the same, these are the same people that were here at the housewarming party. We saw the plant fly award, two of them did. So they know of the house, they know of it. Everybody sort of on pins and needles a little bit, but halfway through the night, the ladies were singing together, and all of a sudden, somebody points to this notebook in the middle of the floor. It was one of Tina's work notebooks, like a, a binder. Mm. And we had 12 people in, in the house, including me and Tina, and a few of them have kids. So it's a pretty full house. Yeah. And in the middle of the floor is this binder. And it, it, was just, it was just odd being there, and it caught everybody's attention because it had not been there the entire night. It had not been there a few seconds ago. Right. And... Everybody's pointing at it, and we're admitting, and I, I know it's not my binder, so I pick it up, and I look at Tina, and Tina looks at it, she recognizes it immediately, and she says, yeah, this binder's been missing for months. Oh. She, she, she thought it was gone or lost or whatever. Wow. And, and there it was, and, and, and our friends were like, wow, that's, and, and then they got the gist of what we've been telling them all along. Again, like I said, you, you tell people, they agree, they believe, but seeing is really believing because you can't really deny what your own eyes are telling you when you're there. All my friends are highly intelligent and a, a folder in the middle of a karaoke sing-along, when we've been doing this for hours, you would, you would notice that. You know, we moved furniture out the way, coffee table out the way, and it wasn't there earlier. But that happened all the time. We've always had items appear and, you know, within your peripheral view and directly in front of your your, your eyes because the spirits want you to see it. It doesn't no good if you, they put it out there and you don't see it. it. They want you to see it, acknowledge it. It sort of derails the evening, if you will, or takes the wind out of everybody's sails because now we're not singing anymore. We're talking about this weird notebook. And, yeah. And, I, and that's how guys work. They want to be controlled, large, and in charge of any situation. And yeah, you guys are having fun out being married, but we're still here. You know, we're we're still we're still here, dude. So so yeah, that was, that was very interesting that episode. Absolutely, and that so many people were there and saw it. You know, happen. That's just that's wild. Yeah. Now, Keith, I know that there's a sound that you sometimes woke up to. Describe this for us. I'll be more specific because there's a lot of sounds I woke up to. Yeah, I know one of them was almost like the sound of a heartbeat, if you will. Well, yeah, the heartbeats started in the old house, the Bothell house, and followed me to my new place of residence. But what was precursor to the heartbeats were the poking and prodding, meaning me and Tina are watching a movie in bed with channel surfing. She's got her, I don't know, whatever, magazine. I'm looking at TV, and I feel something poke me in my ribcage or my thigh or my shin or something just tug at my sock. Most of they just poke me in your ribcage. And it's coming from underneath the mattress. It's coming from inside the mattress. Oh. Okay. 
it's coming from that. It's not. It's not. It's not like the kid walks up to you and pokes you. This is you feel the mattress indentation go into you, and that started happening. That started picking up a lot. Buy a new mattress, buy a new bed, and you know beds and mattress king size are expensive. But we we did that. Was advised that of course it didn't work. Well, then came the the heartbeats, and what I want to, I guess, describe those as like is. It's just a regular heartbeat. Now, it's not a human heartbeat, but it's a heartbeat in the sense of I hear it usually after 3 a.m. My ears hard pressed against my pillow. I've been sleeping a while. And then you hear this pitter patter coming from inside your pillow. It's very distinct. It's very rapid. You can recognize it immediately. Even when we moved or rotated bedrooms to get away from the activity, it tends to follow you. It's followed me on business travel. So I've always voiced that with the paranormal researchers. And believe it or not, heartbeats are known in poltergeist phenomena. It's, it's a rarity. It's it's more put in the demon, I guess, the demon category versus poltergeist. But they're so similar. I don't know if you know about the, the haunting or the, the haunting in Connecticut, uh, that, that poltergeist case uh, where the family, the husband and wife spoke of phantom heartbeats in their bed. They also spoke of poking and prodding, the mattress indentations like a, a cat or something leaping onto the bed. All those are under the same umbrella. And also another, the infield as well, uh, the Amherst Portuguese case has similar heartbeats. There's documentation out there. Of course, I didn't know this at the time. So when I moved to my new location, now we're talking way out past the Bothell House, I went and purchased two digital stethoscopes, I think one and the Echo. These are highly expensive, sound-sensitive, sound-magnification digital stethoscopes that are state-of-the-art, and therefore by being digital, you can record the sound. And now these are physicians. These are not meant for the paranormal. These are for doctors, and these are highly expensive equipment, but I went and bought two of them mm. because... Up until now, I've I just been telling people, and, and, and not, it's not that people don't believe me, especially those who've experienced it themselves. And then when Nikki Novell and Steve Merrick came to the house and was able to witness the phenomena themselves. So, yeah, they get that. They got it. But they had to feel it with their own hand, meaning the pulsation of the heartbeats with their own hand. So they can't capture that evidence. They can only relate it verbally. Well, I went a step ahead and bought digital stethoscopes because I want to capture the heartbeats. I want to be able to tell people, hey, this is where it sounds like. Listen to it for yourself. And I did that. I was successful in my new place of residence a whole entire summer. I just, because they're not going away. I still hear them. They still happen. I just set up the stethoscopes when I'm not in the bed. As soon as I get up in the morning, I make sure I'm not in the bed. I don't want any contamination or some. But I say, oh, it's your heartbeat, even though it's not. The beats are way too fast for a human heartbeat. But I'm in the other room. These are Bluetooth, Wi-Fi enabled, and I can record in real time. And they're there. They're on my, they're on my YouTube channel. Individuals from all across the medical field. I've already vetted them through medical friends and family talking about heart surgeons, doctors, EMT specialists, nurses, RN, mm. ERN, and everybody's heard the heartbeats. Your listeners can go on my YouTube channel, listen to the heartbeats themselves. There's, there's three videos. Yeah, they're, 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 they're heartbeats. 
that's especially airy that you dealt with it at the Bothell house, but then it followed you to your new residence, your new home, and that you're still dealing with it to this very day that that's happening. Now, I'm sure it's not as crazy and intense as it was at the Bothell house, right? Things have, besides the heartbeat and like other little things, things have calmed down a little. Yeah, I mean, yeah, these are, I mean, the, the activity I have now compared to then is night and day. Even yeah. the activity we had, because we had no activity in 2013, but there was always a presence still there. This is way less than 2013. Yeah. The only time, I mean, I, there will be, I don't call them flare-ups because they're not, they're just little nuances that they do to let you know they're here. I'll give you an example. One day I was talking to a friend. I was in my best friend's house and I was talking to his aunt. And she was sort of familiar with our case, our story. She had an interest in it. So she was asking me Q&A questions and we started talking. And I remember as we were talking and she said something to the effect of Tina. Well, she, 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 she said, well, I never really liked Tina or something, which was unrelated to the case or unrelated to Demons in Seattle episode. She was saying that I, I never really liked her. And I kid you not, the glass of wine in her hand blew up. Mm. So she said that. <laughs> it's just the weirdest thing that freaked her out, freaked me out, too. She, she was wearing glasses, so she was uh, she was okay. And no, no, no glass debris. And that's happened several times. Not not, not mentioning the word Tina, but other subjects about this case. I could talk about the minions or the shadowy figures and a group of five people and certain things about them. Somebody's cup, if they're holding, is going to fall out. The bottom's going to fall out. It's just the weird thing ever. You know, we've been in a bar, a restaurant. I've been on dates. My dates' cups have, or have seen my cup slide across the floor. I'm in the room, I'm in the table, slide across, crash upon impact just suddenly dart or disappear. That happened in November on a date I was on, and uh, these women never call me or go on a second date because it's just weird. But uh, there's things like that. Every four, five, six months, something like that will happen or something electrical with my car or my household appliances. Uh, but the forever constant is the heartbeats. The heartbeats are every night. The poking and prodding are every night. Some nights, of mm. course, are worse than others. The mattress indentation are every night, and I've been out of the Bothell house since 2016. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, Keith, the second part, I want to talk about evidence. Now, you know, as a paranormal investigator, you know, like when a dog hears the word treat or something and its ears go up? That's how, that's how I am. My ears perk up. Um, let's talk evidence. To me, those wall markings are incredibly mind-blowing. Now, I know this was discussed a little in part one, but let's dig deeper. I mean, way deeper into the wall markings. I know that you're dealing with 666, an upside-down man, which I know you dis- you explained, meaning death by disease or murder, and the word die followed by the letters K-L. Die K-L. Now, if that's not personal, I don't know what is. K.L. Keith Linder. I would be absolutely petrified. I mean, the journey behind these mysterious marks was a bizarre one. Now, what exactly was used to create the markings, the substance? The wall markings 
from Halloween night, which pretty much you've seen and the world has seen and was pretty much was shown on the Demons in Seattle episode. And what shocked me about that episode, or by their research or their investigation, is nobody, we had a lot of teams in the house. Me and Tina had a lot of investigations. It never occurred to any of the teams to take any of the wall markings with them. Here we are in 21st century, 2016. The Portuguese has left something behind. That's rarely happens where they leave something behind. I mean, if, if I got a, a toy that they left behind, there's not much you can do with that, okay? It's a toy, all right? Yeah. A, a wall marking on the wall, because you have to understand, there are a lot of people who tell us, well, y'all did that themselves. They did that. That's spray paint. You can see how amateur it looks. It's just, it's just black paint. What's the big deal? No, it is a big deal, because if you're a researcher, you can carve out chisel out and take that somewhere and get it analyzed and there are scientists and there are labs the world over this country over on university campus and they can tell you down to the very minute detail the type of paint that was who manufactured it when it was manufactured where and if you really dig that you can go down to the store who sold it those all things that takes time and it takes money but that's in a researcher's responsibility, in my opinion. So none of them did that. I, having got tired of being asked the question and my own curiosity of what that black oil was and what it is, really just buckled down and said, I'm going to have it tested myself. Yeah. When I had it tested, I was expecting them to tell me that it's some form of paint. Because if you look at it, it's a naked eye, that's what it looks like. But just because it's paint doesn't mean me and Tina painted it. That doesn't mean that. Portuguese, throughout time, most often when they write on walls in people's home, they tend to use crayon, marker, lipstick, paint, honey. In the San Pedro Portuguese case, they use plasma, blood. So there's all kind of things that they, they can use. So it was. I was surprised when I had an analyze and, and this is very very documented maybe three chapters of it uh, give you the condensed version of how this came about it's in my second book the results from the analysis came back organic meaning that the chemicals all the chemicals all are organic these are not man-made substance this is organic and it came back with phosphate percentages of calcium and I can't remember the other ingredients off the top of my head, but it was primarily four to five ingredients in a percentage breakdown of each of those ingredients. Now, the lab technician, they know that they're just, they're just going to tell me what the breakdown is. They're not going to automatically say, aha, it's this. Yeah. Because they don't know. They told me what the ingredients was. And by telling me what the ingredients was, they're also telling me what the ingredients aren't. This is not Home Depot paint. This is not Walmart paint. This is not paint, period. There's no lead. There's nothing man-made in this paint. So you can just automatically throw out what skeptics and critics and cynics are saying on that alone. But they can tell me what's in it, and they saying it has phosphate, it has animal content in it. 
Now, that's unusual because we've never seen a paint like that. I don't know where or what you would go to get a paint where the primary ingredient is animal. So I took what they found in the paint or in the black oil, and I shopped it around art galleries because that's the only way you can go after leaving a paint store or having your paint analyzed is to an art gallery. That's what they deal with every day. Yeah. And I asked them, and I called several, and I just didn't call your mom and pop art gallery. I called Seattle, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C. These are the biggest art galleries in the country, some if not the world. So I'm calling them, and I'm saying, hey, I got this black oil. I sent them photos. I sent them my wall. Yeah, I did. And they're looking at the photos, and they're looking at the close-up of the oil. And then I'm reading to them what the technician gave me of what it's made out of. And maybe two out of the five or two out of the six were clueless. They were like, wow, we, we, we've never seen that before. That's, that's weird. Mm. However, when I took it to their most senior, more tenured, for lack of a better word, art gallery employee or whatever they call themselves, they said, well that has to be bone black. And I was like, bone black? What is that? Yeah. And it was, that's incinerated buffalo or bison bone. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> that's what? And then I, my question to them, because now I got to be able, because I'm drilling them, because I got to make them qualify what they just told me, quantify and qualify it by saying, what is bone black and why are you sure this is? And they said, well, you got the makeup, so here you got the five ingredients and you got the percentages of what bone black constitutes. And bone black is a buffalo or bison bone. It was highly used in North America. It was highly used in the mid-1800s as a form of black paint. In In the 1800s, when you nearly had the mass extinction of the American buffalo or the North American buffalo, all throughout the northwestern plains, you saw animal carcass because the only thing that were being stripped of the buffalo was their hide. Well, you had all these buffalo bones piling up all over the early country, and nobody knew what to do with these bones. So they relied, and somebody out of came up with the idea. Well, why don't we? condense or incinerate the bones and make a form of black paint. Now, bone black was not invented in North America. Bone black has been used throughout ancient times, one of the most original, purest, oldest forms of black paint. Native Americans, going back to that Native American angle, used used bone black for their calligraphy or pictography. So you have the wall markings of an upside-down man, the symbol, that means a Native American has died, either was murdered or through smallpox or any other disease. And that's all the upside down means. It doesn't mean you would, you got you got, a bear killed you or you got eaten up by a mountain lion. No, it's specific to people understand. That symbol means only three things at the most of how you died. Therefore, you have that and then you have the substance to draw that be incinerated buffalo or bison bone. Therefore, that's why we lean toward the Native American aspect of the case. The spirit is trying to tell us something. Then you fast forward to the 1800s when, after all this near extinction of buffalo, it became useful to turn the remaining bones 
and to paint and sell it because bone black, believe it or not, is a very durable, reliable form of paint. All paints that man creates, man has to add his adhesive agent. That's the only reason why paint sticks on a wall. Paint will not stick on a wall if you do not have an adhesive agent. Well, some of the oldest adhesives to paint were olive oil, canola oil, or any other form of yellow oil. Bone black, when you incinerate it to get it to become black powder, you also create its own derivative called Dipples Oil. Dipples Oil is a yellow olive oil, canola oil color-like substance. Stinks to high heaven, it does. <laughs> it does. But it is a perfect adhesive for bone black because now you're producing your own paint and now your paint is producing its own adhesive agent. Now anybody listening today can easily Google bone black. It's also known as bone char or bone ash. You can see it on the internet online and it's not too many people who can see it when it's broken down to its most condensed form. You're gonna immediately see the similarities between it and the markings on my office wall. Also, you will learn if you dig even further that bone black is very difficult to remove. It's very difficult to remove bone black off a surface. Ask me, I know. We paint it over it, it bleeds through, it's hard to remove, it's very difficult. And the dipples oil aspect, I researched that too, and you'll see that the two go hand in hand, but it would have been good had this information came from a researcher, but it did. But that's not my fault. It, my father didn't come from Ghost Adventures, or, but everybody had equal access. We left the house free to you for five hours, so have at it. Take as much as you want, put it in a Petri dish or a Ziploc bag or whatever, and if you think it's spray paint, then just don't say you think it's spray paint have it analyzed as there's somebody in a lab that will tell you no this is not spray paint there's no metal there's no lead there's no lead in there there's nothing it's not it's organic you can come by you can't go to home depot and say i want a gallon of bone black you can't buy it okay so that's how we determine or how i determined or found out what the oil was made out of insane and yeah i never have even heard of bone black until i had you on the radio show and when you were explaining it and describing what it was it's just like that is absolutely mind-blowing to me and you guys make sure to look at the cover picture for this episode because that is bone black that is what was on keith's walls huge piece of evidence there and good for you for getting it tested you know and it's a shock that other you know certain other people didn't get it tested but good for you for wanting those answers it's like yes this is mysteriously appearing on my walls in my home and i'm not doing it tina's not doing it we don't you know we don't have children we don't have people doing this something's happening here i mean Anybody you would think living in that situation would want to get it tested. So now, Keith, you know, as a person who investigates the paranormal, audio evidence to me is absolutely gold. Researchers and investigators have gotten things in this house of hell 
you shared a few findings with me. So folks, this is what will happen now. I'm about to place some audio evidence that Keith shared with me. If you have headphones, you might want to put that on because for me anyways, when I'm listening to my evidence, headphones, you know, usually will help a little, you know, get that in your ears a little more. So I'm going to play a clip and Keith, I'm going to have you explain what this clip is, okay? Okay, sure. All right, so here is the first one. Are there shadow people out here? How many? Okay, so Keith, she asks how many, and there's a voice. You know, at first listening to it, I thought it sounded more like a man saying three, but now... Listening to it again, it kind of sounds feminine. Talk about this this clip. The uh, investigator who's asking the question there is Carissa Black. This is when her and Nikki Novell lived in the home for three and a half weeks. This was January 2016. And she's outside on the patio. I think it's like 12, 1 a.m. in the morning. And it's just her. And, yeah, she asked a very distinct question because, once again, I have been reporting, seeing out the corner of my eye shadowy figures and uh, I think Carissa's mindset uh, prior to going outside was hey I'm just going to go outside see if I can catch some voices and and everybody like hey okay alright and everybody's doing their own thing upon review you're right so she asked the question are there any shadow people out there she asked you know how many and and, then there's a pause to me it sounds sounds like with with headphones on to me it sounds like a a child or a boy a male voice others three because she, she, she asked a very distinct question of how many, and she says, how many shadow people are out here? And one of the things that always interests me about the EVPs, and you're right, I totally agree with you, EVPs, the right ones, when analyzed and vetted, are also pieces of evidence. I never heard of the EVP until it was introduced to me, but, oh, my God, it's, it's, also, it's also a piece of evidence. Yeah. And the EVP, when it comes back three, and, and other EVPs, I'm always astonished how the, for lack of a better word, we'll say spirit, who's giving you the EVP, is almost talk. They always like to talk in the third person. They always like to say, "Oh, they're over there." You know, Steve got a voice where the spirit said, "The demons are over there." Oh, they are. Well, who are you then? <laughs> you know, it's, they always. <laughs> tattletailing on each other without including them so you don't know if the that voice is including itself in the three because it just says three right or it's just saying oh well, there's two over there and it's me it's three you know but what's interesting about that evp and once again this is one of, one of the things that it's very hard to to fake is different people after hearing that EVP and I believe them because I, I at first thought so too I thought the child or the voice was saying tree because I, I hear a lot of tree and there's a lisp there. there's like a, there's a little bit of lisping going on but it took Steve and Dawn when they came and they, count, and they captured over 400 odd EVPs when they came which was a few weeks after Carissa and Nikki and a majority of the EVPs were Irish accents and it was very interesting that the voices majority of them were Irish accents Hmm. because we later learned Bothell once again back in the 1800s was 
had a mass flux of Irish settlers. It was the Irish settlers and the Native Americans who had war after war after war. And even Bothell to this day is 15, 18% Irish, the city of Bothell. So it was highly Irish populated. And uh, a lot of the voices were Irish and the EVPs. Well, an individual, and this is why I post my videos on, on YouTube, because people all over the world chime in from, from all walks of life. I'm not Irish, but I did not know this. I did not know Irish people cannot or have a very difficult time, almost an impossible time, saying the word three. There's no TH in the Irish language or the vowel, the, 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 the silent. So when you ask them to say three, they say tree. They stumble. They, 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 and it's, very, it's not in the dialect of the, of the natural language. Like we have like 26 letters in our alphabet. The TH is not present, so they extrapolate, and it comes up most often comes out tree, meaning it sounds like tree, but they really mean three. And this one, this is an Irish accent EVP, where the spirit is telling us three, and then with some, myself included, after hearing a few times, I can go either way, but I understand why it says or sounds like tree after a person. And Ireland told me, they said, hey, we, we, we just don't do that well. And they did not know about the Irish settlers. They did not know about the EVPs that Stephen Dawn found. So it was just interesting. And I was, because I had all, I wrote in my second book and I mischaracterized it when I talked about that three EVP. When you played it, I said, oh, that child has a list to its voice. It's not a list. It's another term that they call when they have the enunciation of the word three and tree. I don't know if you listen to any of my EVPs where they say Keith on my YouTube channel. I have a lot of EVPs where they call my name. Some of it sounds like Key, K-E-Y, because once again, the T-H at the end of my name is not there. They say it sounds like Keith. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that, that they have a hard time pronouncing that. Okay, I will play that. Again, right now, just so you guys take another listen, and then we'll jump into the next EVP. Are there shadow people out here? How many? Tree. Tree. Very interesting. So there you guys have it. There is, there's EVP number one. Now let's play the next one. Okay, I'm going to play that one more time. I hear springs. Very, very clear. Keith, talk a bit about this. Explain the situation here. What's going on? Was there a certain question that was asked, or was this just caught by, by you know, chance? Yeah, this is uh, Steve, uh, parapsychologist Steve Merritt, Don Phillips' investigation, where they, what they did, I have not seen many paranormal investigators do in my house, and they were big gung-ho about EVPs. Both of those guys were big EVP acquiring fans, if you will. But when they got home, they... In addition to their own handheld voice recorders that are always on their person, right, they set up 
24-7 listening devices, meaning we're going to have something reporting constantly all the time. And it's never going to go off. And then upon review, you know, you got Keith talking, me talking, Steve talking, TV, whatever. They they came back with the I Hear Spring. That's one of the 430-odd EVPs that they captured was that I Hear Springs. Very angelic, ambient, female voice. Steve classified as a Class A EVP. Very distinct. That was one of the first ones they played for me when they'd been in the house of 48, between 48 and 72 hours was that EVP right there. But it was picked up, not on their handheld device, it was picked up on the constantly running background uh, these sensitive sound microphones that they had dispersed in the house that can hear a pin drop 100 yards away was beneficial in, in capturing that one. You really have to watch the documentary to appreciate it because when you see it on the bar graph and when you see one of Steve Mara's associates in the UK, Barry Fitzgerald, analyze it, they break it down and they say that the female or male voice that are captured in Keith's houses don't match the normal, key word here is normal female and male decibel range of all human beings. All human beings, regardless of how we talk, we all got a unique voice, we all got our unique signature and all that. We mm. all fit within a normal spectrum range as far as voice goes. These included, it seems, or these especially exist outside that. It's the noise, we know it's noise, we got that, we captured that, but it's at a much lower, sometimes higher decibel, which in itself is an anomaly, and in itself is weird, because it's outside the medium range of the seven billion people on this planet. So um, yeah, the I Hear Springs, when you see it on the bar graph in the documentary, as well as the other AVPs you see, and they take you through it how you know what that is and what that what that means and it's very interesting very unique how they break that down right absolutely and these guys so folks these guys didn't just like come a, you know a few miles to stay at keith's house they they came across the pond they came from the united kingdom uh, they were very interested in what was happening to Keith's house and to Keith and, you know, Tina. And they took it very seriously. And that always stuck with me. And you mentioned Barry Fitzgerald. Now, you guys, Barry Fitzgerald, that name might sound familiar. He was with Ghost Hunters International. And he's been on my radio show just like Keith a couple times. Really great guy. And it's neat that he got his hand in it, too. So a lot of people were very interested in this. And so that was just with one. So let's play this one more time before we jump into the next. The I Hear Springs. Take a listen again. I Hear Springs. I Hear Springs. Very, very interesting. Yeah, and that is very, very clear. So let's hop in. Yeah, it's very interesting because I'm glad, I'm glad that we played it because it just jogged my memory. The spring, I don't know if it's related, but it's just interesting, of the spring, mini creek, that runs behind our house. There's a creek in a spring that runs behind our house throughout the neighborhood. It's a mini salmon run through that two, time, two months out the year. It's featured in the documentary. Dawn goes down there 
and gets other EVPs. That's where he got Ray a lot, an awful lot, and got the spirit to admit that there's a Native American burial ground somewhere. But yeah, it was just interesting. One thing I also wanted to piggyback on what you said about Barry and Steve, and what some listeners might not be familiar with, you know, because TV doesn't show this much, but the true research or the true researcher, the true investigation begins after you leave the house. One of the things Steve and Dawn did when they captured the, the audio and the photos and all that stuff, the oil and all that, they got to go back home and analyze that stuff. You got to put it through a machine like, you know, the one I talked about that breaks it down to the decibel level. Mm-hmm. So many researchers come to my home and, oh, I got an EVP, I got an EVP, and that's it. That, that's it. Nothing, nothing okay, you got an EVP. Okay, all right. <laughs> so you got to splice it up and dice it, and like I said, what decibel level is it? What, you know, all kind of, what is it in conjunction to the average human voice, to the average male voice? Those anomalies, believe it or not, support your argument if you're trying to make one, and every researcher should be trying to make the argument that the paranormal is real uh, or not, but you should not, it should not stop at the curve of the house occupant's home. And I can tell you, nine times out of ten, it did in our house. Researchers just came in, and after they pulled out, turned the corner of the street we lived on, they that, that's it. They're not researching anymore. And they didn't do that. That Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so this next one, you're going to want to throw those earphones on and take a listen because the this EVP is a little more lower, a little more you need to really listen for it. So here is this one. So he says, is that you? And then you hear a yes. So I'm going to play that again for you folks. Okay, so talk a little bit about this one, Keith. Yeah, so that's a good segue because that's the, now Dawn is in the creek. He's behind the house late at night. He trekked down there by himself, took his gear. And uh, we lost him because we had signals on him. We lost the Wi-Fi signal. But, yeah, so he's down and he's asking questions. And your listeners can also see that in the documentary as well and hear it or on my channel, which I'll talk about at the end of this. So, basically, he's asking the question of this burial. And you hear a male force say, yes, it's quick, it's very rapid. And it's like knew where Don was going with the question. So, he, before he could even get the entire question out of his mouth, the spirit's like, yes. And that dialogue goes on a little bit longer. There's a video specifically called Demons in Seattle, Ray, on my channel that talks about that one and the three other EVPs where Ray, we found the word Ray was mentioned or uttered multiple times in and outside the house by different teams. I'm talking about teams who had no communication whatsoever. Ray captured on different devices, audio, video, uh, there's a good one in my uh, master bedroom, bathroom. Another spirit refers to the other one as Ray. Talk about the cameras. Hmm. Uh, and then now you have Dawn, who's about, I don't know, 100 yards away from the house, middle of the night, and another spirit. 
soon after that yes comes this word ray keep in mind these are things that dog cannot hear and most people cannot hear with the naked ear that's why it's a mystery as to why it passes our eardrums but places onto audio and video equipment that's what makes it paranormal uh, or weird so the, yeah that but the yes going back to the bone black going back to the Native American upside down man symbol going back to the history of Bothell going back to the name of the county Bothell is in Stohomish County the Native Americans who lived there the Willow people the Willow tribe Chief Seattle all these things you have to sort of, you know, piece together, and it's a puzzle. You know, it's a it's a puzzle. But every every clue, like I said, conjures up more questions because he, Don got several more EVPs soon after that, especially the Ray, which I think he got twice uh, in the forest. Right, and I know you have so many other EVPs that were collected. We're gonna play one more and have you talk about it, but. I know that, like, for example, you sent me a few different things from your YouTube channel and they were kind of longer, but it lets people, you know, have an inside look in your ha in that house and what you guys were going through. And I know you mentioned it in the first in part one, but in part two also right now, can you just throw people your YouTube channel so they know what, you know, the name to look for? Yeah, so if you go on YouTube and just basically type in Keith L, Keith space L, um, you'll see my channel. I won't give you the long URL address because it's very long. You'll see it also if you if you just Google it in YouTube, on the YouTube website, and just Google Demons in Seattle Ray, Demons in Seattle Heartbeats, Demons in Seattle Keith, you're going to land into my channel or click on one of those videos and then you're on my channel now. Uh, there's over 300 videos there. Depending on what your interest in the paranormal is, there's something for everybody. My recommendation is take your time, don't multitask, go to the very first videos that I uploaded there back in May 2012, and work your way up gradually to 2020. Because that way, I mean, you mean, you get somewhat, I mean, it's going to be a, a little bit, but it's, a, it's enough of the journey of me and Tina, and it was a journey of everything we lived through and faced because it is a snowball effect. One of the first phenomena I started capturing of uh, summer of 2012 was the lights going off and on. I didn't know anything about the paranormal. I thought it was cool. I was having conversations with my brother who lived in Tennessee, and he was like, hey, it'd be cool to see that on video, so I thought it was cool. I wasn't trying to save that stuff for the conversation we're having now, but it felt like I should save this stuff. It, it felt like this might be interesting to somebody. So now people go back and look at those same videos and point out, because they put the timestamp in the comment section, of the voices me, I'm just capturing lights going. You see me and Tina walking by doing our everyday laundry or whatever, having a conversation, and then you hear a voice talk underneath ours. You hear a male voice say something or whatever. And I'm not finding this. So listeners like yourselves are finding it. I vet it, obviously, and run it by. And so far, 
everybody's been right. There's been nothing I've been able to shoot down or whatever. And I'm, my mind is blown. I learn something new every day. I'll get a ping 3 a.m. in the morning because somebody in the U.K. or France or Italy or Australia or New Zealand just watch my video with headsets or no headsets and said, oh, you got to go to a minute 205. Oh, man, there's a big male voice there, dude. He's, he's, he's right behind you. And I, and, I, and I will listen to it. I will be eager and I listen to it. And my mind is blown. And these, I'm like, that's been in my possession going on eight years now. And I never heard that EVP before. But it's always been there. It's always been there. So, yeah, go right. to the channel and your listeners can definitely see all that stuff. Absolutely. So you guys check out that YouTube channel because, yeah, especially if you have like that EVP ear, that's what I love calling it, the EVP ear, and see if you could find something new, hear something new that Keith hasn't heard. And if you do hear it, please tell Keith, he would love to hear about it. And he, like you said, will listen to it because, yeah, that's, that is interesting. And so... We have one more EVP that we're going to share, and I know there's so many others, but here is that last EVP. So, to me, that sounds like like a spirit box, maybe, or something with a, you know, consistent sound in the background is being used, and so it's at the very end, you hear a voice, you guys, saying, I'm a mirror. Okay, so I'm going to play that again. I'm a mirror. Yeah, so that one, I want to be able to walk your listeners and you to that video. So the I'm a mirror was captured on three of my devices. It was not a spirit box. That staticky stuff that you hear, and there's a video of this. So the three devices that I'm a mirror was captured on, which is great for legitimizing because you have three separate devices spread out through the house and they all capture the same I'm a mirror. Hmm. Okay. And that's what I did. I learned from Stephen that my observing them the first time Steve and Dawn are back in my home in April 2016. That static, pause, stop, static. They're in the kitchen, and there's a video that shows it, reviewing their own footage. That's where the static is coming from. It's not a spirit box. They're not talking to anything, trying to conjure a voice or a response. They're doing their own thing. I learned by watching them to just leave my own video and audio equipment running 24-7. Yeah. And I think I found that I'm a mirror two, three months after they left. So we didn't even know it existed when they were in the home. So when I'm reviewing it, I sent Steve the file, all three of them, because I wanted his input to make sure, is, is that him? Is that Dawn? Was that their equipment? They, he replied back, no, that's interesting. Once again, it was captured on three, two voice recorders. Um, sort of a triangular spread out throughout the house and then one video recorder. The video recorder is interesting. I think I was telling you this this morning is when you hear the I'm a mirror, when you watch the video you see me multitask. I'm at the kitchen table. You see Stephen Dawn's back turned to the video camera. They're in the kitchen doing their own thing and as soon as that I'm a mirror is uttered 
I instinctively turn toward the direction of my camera, right in sequence to that I'm a mirror. Now, and I'll, and I'll say this, I know 100%, I did not hear anything. I did not hear anything whatsoever. Definitely didn't hear I'm a mirror. It's weird that I would turn toward that direction at the same time. It's just, it was just eerily weird. What's also even weirder, but sort of makes sense and it's easy to theorize is the, what does I'm a mirror mean? Right. You know, that's been like, we Googled it, like, is that a song? Is that a movie? Is that a poem? You know, somebody was like, you know, it was all kind of theories. It was a truck cold, but, and I'm going to talk about it in my, uh, my, in my third book, uh, because the, the I'm a mirror explains how the Bible's caught fire. I, I can't, it's too scientific and technical in detail now, but the I'm a mirror explains how objects caught fire in that house. On the flip side, also, I'm a mirror, and this is what one of the other um, parapsychologists said upon review of the EVP, is we think, and this is all theory, we think poltergeists in people's homes, the activity that they sometimes do or use is they pivot off the individuals in the home. We know they take their energy, we know they can ratchet up a little bit based off that energy. We know they feed on negative energy. And it, it was seen, the spirit in that, in that EVP is suggesting, suggesting that I'm whatever Keith is. I'm whatever this house is. I'm a mirror. I'm a reflection of you guys. That's what one mm. avenue of thought is about that I am a mirror, but it's interesting. I would love to hear theories out there about what that means. So once again, listeners can watch and listen. And if you think you know or got a good theory, by all means, leave it in the comments. But through research, I was able to research, and like I told you at the beginning of this interview, how I found out how the bone black, what the bone black is, I found out or pretty sure how poltergeists are able to start fires. My goodness. And speaking of starting fires, so you guys, I know you listened to part one, which was just released yesterday. That cover picture shows the Bibles that were just absolutely destroyed by fire. And Keith has YouTube videos regarding this and about, you know, him coming home to his house getting destroyed. And he actually sent me the video, which is called Demons in Seattle, EVP, I'm a Mirror. And it's actually about 14 minutes long. And so I actually requested a smaller bit of just the EVP, and that's what you heard. But if you want to see the whole thing, go to his YouTube channel, check that out. Demons in Seattle, EVP, I'm a Mirror. Now... Keith, before we part ways, my friend, talk about your newest book, your second book that was recently released not too long ago. Yeah, so the second book is called Attachments, Poltergeist of Washington State, Part 2. And it picks up where Part 1, the Bothell Hell House, left off in the sense of, I'm still in the home. Those who read the first book, it's a four-year account of Mantino's ordeal. There was just so much information in there about that house, about that case, that I had to write a second book. And it was a cliffhanger at the end of book one in the sense of, 
he's still in the house. What, what, what happened? What came? Whatever. What happened? So there were three questions I had to answer, not invent, but answer for book two, for me to say I've done a good job on book two. And those three questions were, and they were asked by people, not by myself, but these were great questions. Number one, why is that house haunted? Why is that house the house from hell? You got other houses on that block. What makes this house just be what it is? Okay, that answer is in book two. Also, one we talked about tonight already, so I think of that as spoiler or whatever, but what is the black stuff made out of? Now, I give you the condensed version of it on the air. Trust me, you're going to want to read the three chapters I dedicate to the black oil stuff, the substance made, especially Dipple's oil. So that's in book two. And then also the third question, which we sort of talked about, but didn't go too much in detail. And trust me, there's a lot of detail. What happens when you move out? Will you be followed? What does that even mean? We know poultry guys have a tendency or can follow people. What does that mean? It was primarily you and Tina in the house the majority of the time. What does it mean when it's just you? I remember we met Tina broke up. So now I'm being followed. What are some of the things that fall under that category that make me know for sure I'm being followed? We're talking about the heartbeats. There's tons more. All that's in book number two, as well as all the evidence both teams captured in the home. What I like about this book is, and I tell people, this is an interactive book. Both books are very interactive. Don't think you're going to pick up this book and just read and be done with it. Do yourself a favor, read it, don't skim it, but read it and click on every link, every video, every audio file. I know that's difficult with the paperback version, but trust me, you're gonna get a lot reward by doing that. Obviously, if you got the Kindle version, you're gonna click touch a link and it's gonna bring you to that web page immediately. So those interactive sounds, those thuds, loud bangs, door slams, objects being thrown, Hear that in the chapter, because the book is told in chronological order. Both books are. So when you hear that stuff, you get somewhat of a mindset of what we heard and what we went through, because I never tell the reader when it's coming. I don't want you to know when the loud bang is going to appear. I want you to, the video is four minutes long, but you don't know when it's coming. I, you know, people are well, why you didn't put the time step in there? No, because you'll go straight to the bank. That's, that's cheating. We didn't have that luxury. You don't want to know, I want you washing dishes or multitasking or whatever it is you do, and all of a sudden you hear a loud bang because the first thing you're gonna say is what was that? So that's in book two as well. Deeper analysis of the bone black, of the dimples oil, why the house was haunted. Uh, we go back in time to the previous tenants of what they went through, the history, and all that crescendos toward the end and yeah, attachments, Portuguese of Washington State, on Amazon right now. Fantastic. So you guys, please be sure to check out that book, either the Kindle version or have it in your hands. And yeah, check out those videos. I mean, there's definitely a lot to look into when it comes to Keith Linder's Bothell House, you know, living there. So Keith, Thank you so very much for joining me. Not one, but two days in a row. Thank you for joining two days in a row. Really, really appreciate it. It was good. Thanks for having me. It was good. 
Yeah, it's always great talking with you, my friend. And I, I'm glad that even though you're still getting some action, you know, some paranormal action, I'm glad that things have become less aggressive and has calmed down. It has significantly. Good. Why anybody walking away thinking, oh my God, he's still getting tortured or beaten up by flying couches? No, 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 no. It's <laughs> toned down a significant amount. Good. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's way better. Well, that is absolutely good to hear. I'm glad to hear. Yes, definitely, definitely. All right, so big shout out to Keith Linder for spending the last two days talking all things Bothell House. I mean, the things that he went through. But I'm glad that he is out of that house because, wow, life is too short. (laughs) And... I hope that that it continues to subside, you know, the poltergeist activity, the haunting itself, that it just kind of subsides and, but at least it's better, you know, baby steps. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single episode yet? No need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen now by going to any of the podcast platforms such as Deezer, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Podcast Republic, Pocket Cast. Wherever you roam to listen to your other kick-ass podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. This week's special city shoutouts go to El Paso, Texas. Bakersfield, California, Cardiff, Wales, Westland, Michigan, and Waukesha, Wisconsin. You guys are all incredible. Thank you so very much for listening. And that goes for everybody, wherever you are right now, whatever city, state, country, village, whatever, city, town, wherever you're from. Thank you so very much for listening to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. See you next week.